you never have to spend 20 minutes on an email again because you're like, oh, at this phase, we just plug them into the calendar and they get the reminders. Never have to send that email again. So now you can maybe say, hey, I can actually take bigger projects now or I can take more projects because you have more bandwidth in your brain. You don't have to remember everything. So it feels better to work like that, right? And why why suffer? (laughs) Why make yourself suffer without having a process? It just doesn't feel good. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your design business? Then welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social, helping home professionals accelerate their success with proven industry practices and expert advice. Hey there, welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social. Today's show is all about systems and processes for you and your interior design business so you can become more streamlined, more efficient, and more profitable. And our guest today is Katie McFarlane. And if you're a regular listener of the show, I am sure that you have heard her name bandied about as an interior design business coach that has been extremely helpful with some of our Wingnut clients and our past guests. So you're not going to want to miss that. She is amazing. But before we get into that, we have some housekeeping. This month's webinar is with none other than the amazing and delightful Claire Jefford. And the topic is all about services and pricing and getting profound clarity. I see what you did there, Claire Jefford, and increasing your profits. You're not going to want to miss that at all. It's 100% free. And the date will be September the 28th at 11 a.m. Head on over to wingnutsocial.com, look in the uh, Wingnut Academy section there, hit that little drop down and register for that for free. Again, that's on September the 28th at 11 a.m. with Claire freaking Jefford. She's the best. All right, that's it for housekeeping. I think you all know what time it is. It's time for Men in News, Men in News Sesh. Yeah. Yeah. All right, this week we welcome back Abigail Coots (laughs) to the mini news sesh. Congrats. Congrats on your brand new marriage, Mrs. Coots. How the hell are you? Thank you. I am doing well. Mrs. Coots is doing well. It's so weird to hear that, but I'm excited (laughs) to be back on the mini news today. We're excited to have you. What are we talking about? So today we are talking about a feature that Instagram has actually had for a while, but it's one that LinkedIn has decided to roll out as well. And it's one that's going to help you spark more thoughtful engagement in the comment sections of your posts. And that feature is the pinned comment feature. Oh, okay. Yeah. So pinned comments are highlighted responses on your Instagram posts. So whenever the person who created their LinkedIn post decides to go into the comment section and choose a pinned comment, that's going to be the top response that's going to stay at the top of your reply chain in your comment section. I forgot. I actually forgot that that was on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I totally forgot about that. We did a mini news on it and everything. And I, (laughs) whoop. There's so many features these days it happens, but it's actually a really exciting feature in my opinion, because it allows the user to go in and kind of curate their comment section. So we all know the comment section can tend to get a little spammy sometimes, especially for users with a larger following. Or maybe it's something as simple as your followers just aren't leaving as conversation sparking or engaging comments as you want. Maybe they're just leaving an emoji. But when the user can go in and select a top comment, basically kind of like the winner of the comment section, that (laughs) could provide further incentive for your followers to actually take a hot sec and leave a thoughtful response because there's a chance that you, especially again for users with a large, large following, the chance that you will see their comment and award it with the top 
comment. I love it. That's a great idea. And it does work, right? Mm -hmm. Before I forgot that it existed. (laughs) But I would go in and pin comments on Wingnut Social that were more engagement starters or conversational. Mm -hmm. That definitely does help with engagement. Mm -hmm. Terrific tip. Mrs. Coots, formerly (laughs) Abigail Weidman. Yep, that's me. (laughs) Awesome. You got to change everything on the website and everything. Don't forget to do that. I got to change. I I haven't even changed my Facebook name, but we're working on it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Enjoy all that and welcome back. Thank you, Darla. Many new sash. Okay, let's get into my conversation with Katie McFarland. Katie McFarland is the owner of Dakota Design Company, which provides consulting and back-end implementation to interior designers and wedding planners who want to deliver a luxury experience to their clients, but, big but, are buried in work and can't take time away from their clients to focus on back-end operations. Katie McFarland and her all-female team, woohoo, girl power, help clients refine, streamline, and simplify foundational business processes and systems so they can grow in a professional and sustainable way. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Katie McFarland to the show. Hey there, Katie McFarland. How the hell are you? It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Darla. I'm really excited to be here today. I'm super excited to have you. And I have to tell you, I have had several guests on the podcast just sing your praises and say how amazing you are as a business coach for their interior design business. And uh, one or two of them may or may not have been Wingnut clients. So super, super excited to have a chat with you today. Yes, same. I always love the clients that are working with you because I know we're going to get like the ultimate success for them, right? Because I know their marketing is going to be on point and always fun to see kind of how your team does it, right? Seeing that marketing output for their for my clients. So equally excited to be here with you. (laughs) Awesome. Terrific. Okay. So today, Katie, we're going to be talking about the importance of systems and processes for your business, specifically for your interior design business. I know there's a lot of maybe newer designers or listeners out there who are just kind of winging it or maybe don't have systems and processes. They might realize the importance of it, but just are overwhelmed and don't have that. So let's start from the very beginning and say, why, in your opinion, to have uh, dedicated systems and processes for your design services is such a deal breaker, so important. Yeah, so pretty much everything we do at my company is based on the client experience process, not just that front-facing process, but all the back-end internal things that have to happen for you and or your team to be able to deliver that service. And so it's really the foundation of your business, right? You can do anything at all, but if you don't know what that process is, you don't know what your pricing is, You don't know how long it takes. You don't know what software you need. You don't know anything, right? Like how can you really know or make educated decisions on other aspects of your company if you're not familiar with your process and what's happening? And then also, if you're not able to tell your client what's going to happen or how long it's going to take, how can they have a good time? How can they have a good experience with you? How can you build that trust that they need to have in you throughout their project as interior designers, especially How can you build that trust if they're like, I can't get a hold of her. I can't get a solid answer out of her. So for me, it really all comes down to having a process. And I always say, you have a process, whether you think you do or you don't. It's just a matter of, is it good or is it not? And have you presented it in a way that's client-facing so your clients can understand what in the world you've been doing for the last eight weeks while you've been 
picking out pillows, right? Because that's what they see on HGTV. So it's really an educational thing as well for your clients when you have your process mapped out and a system for delivering it. So when we're talking about systems and processes, are we just looking at an admin side? Like, here's how I handle the clients. Here's how I handle the phone calls, the intake, the sales, the structure of the design. Are we talking about the actual creative process? Help me to understand what we're talking about. Yeah. So what we talked about a little before we started was that they're creatives and it feels like they can do anything and this whole creative process could be really different. And that's part of the process. The creativity and the design is just part of the process. And if you're a designer, you know that's only a small part of what you have to do every day as a business owner. So what I talk about is the client-facing steps of the process, right? So like, what do we need from the client? What are the bits of information they're going to need to know? And then also, yes, the back end side of like, okay, what happens at this phase? What happens at this phase? What happens at this phase? And for both parties, right? Not just the designer, but the designer's team and the designer's client. So what needs to happen at both of those phases? And what does each person need to be doing? What's expected? Kind of building it out that way. Is this something, Katie, that if we had the systems and processes in place that would help us to scale our business more efficiently, more successfully? And then we'll get into some of the particulars of what it looks like to to start implementing these systems and processes, what they actually are. Yes, I absolutely think that the first step to scaling your business, aside from hiring or having passive income, which everybody wants, is to document your processes so they become more efficient. Because once you document them, now you can identify opportunities to make them better or to create an email template or a contract template or, hey, everybody at this phase needs this little bit of clarification. Let's make a little tutorial video we can send over to them or let's send them a Loom video saying, hey, during this phase of the process, this is what you can expect. It's going to be a little stressful. Here's some FAQs our clients usually have, right? So when you document your process, you can start to see where you can become more efficient, where you can delegate. So you're not the one at your $150, $250 an hour rate sending an onboarding email, but maybe you can bring in an admin to do that. Or you can identify another way to save even more is by implementing software to do a lot of the parts of your process. And so when we work with our clients, we go through what's happening at each phase and we can identify right now you're doing 100 out of the 100 steps and you only need to be doing 30. How can we solve Mm -hmm. for the other steps? Do we bring in a team member? Do we bring in software? Okay, so what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Because when I was doing interior design in Miami, right, I was winging it from the very beginning. I mean, I would go on forums and kind of see what other designer steps and everything were. But I do think that there is some unique way that designers work that works better for themselves, their firm, their personalities. So are we going through those processes and saying through trial and error at first and saying, oh, this works for me now, this didn't work for me last time and documenting as we go to develop those systems and processes? Or is there an industry like best practices standard template to go off from to shape that? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a great question. And I was like, wait, am I going to be stumped? I feel like I can always answer things. (laughs) (laughs) So I do think there's an industry best practice, but it also comes down to how you work and what services you want to deliver, right? I mean, you know, from talking to designers and your clients and from your design business, you can structure your services a million different ways and it has to work for you. You could do renovations only. You could do furnishings only. You could do consults only. You could do 
10 hours of design time in blocks. So there's so many different ways you can structure your service. So I think it really comes down to having your services structured. And then I do believe then there is an industry best practice just across every business. There's a best practice for screening your leads, onboarding clients properly, then doing the delivery, right? So the delivery would be your design process. Mm -hmm. So how you actually design, how you start with a client in discovery, how you bring them through concept, how you bring them to your presentation, that is going to be very specific to every designer because I'm not a designer. I don't teach that. You can go to design school and learn that, but really you're going to learn it from doing it. But then once you get over to post-presentation and now you're into the management phase, yeah, there's best practices for that phase. And then there's best practices for installation and then offboarding, which again, a lot of these are applicable to every business. So yes, the design industry is a separate beast. I mean, it is multiple businesses in one oftentimes, but yes, definitely the design process itself is going to be very, however the designer does it, but all the other parts leading up to it and preparing the client, I think there are industry best practices. Okay. So if you're an interior designer out there, you're an architect listening, how do we gain access to these best practices in order to build that framework, especially if you're just starting out? But I'm assuming this would also apply to a little bit more veteran designers if they're looking to shake things up and to streamline their processes. Where are we starting? Yeah. So I would say if you're like, okay, something's not working. I'm spinning my wheels. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm managing emails all day long. Clients are like, what is this coming? Can I step into your office? All these things. I would say the first thing is write it down, right? So I like to break it down into, you know, like five or six phases, right? So you're going to start with your inquiry phase. So that's where they are not a client. They're coming and they're inquiring about working with you. So what happens, right? Write it down step by step. What happens? So the inquiry comes in, you send an email, or can they book a call? Write all that down. Then we move to maybe in your inquiry phase, you also have a consultation, or maybe you don't. Then you have in your inquiry phase when you send the proposal out, like what's your process for that? Then the next phase is the onboarding phase. What is your onboarding process? What do you do for a new client? What happens? Are there certain meetings? Do you need things from them? What can they expect from you? How long does this phase take? Then you move into your design phase. So for some of our designers, it's a two-part design phase. There's concept, and then there's the final design. For other designers, it's just the one. It's just you move right to design. Once you do your design, now we're going to move over to your management. So depending on what services you offer, is that management going to be just order management or is it going to be project management, construction management? So then once you get through that, then we're going to move over to install and offboarding. And so if you're a designer who doesn't do full service design, you don't do installs, then you don't have that install, but you're still going to have an offboarding process where there's some level of support happening. There's an offboarding process where you ask for feedback. You maybe give them their design plan, all of that. But then you move to your install phase. So when I have clients who are like, I can't streamline my business because every project is different. It is, right? Every project is different, just like for your company, right? Every designer is different and their voice is different and what they offer is different. But the way they do it, it's going to fall into those different categories, right? So again, I like to look at those couple of phases and then write out what's happening at each of those phases. And then how long is that taking, right? So in a client-facing aspect, you could tell your clients, our design process is six weeks. And so once we sign on, it'll be about six weeks till you get your design, right? Because again, just setting the expectation at every chance. And it's easiest to do it with a timing, like a timing expectation. Mm-hmm. What I really love about having systems and processes in place to where it's step by step and it doesn't vary for each client or each is that it's 
Speaking to what we were talking about before is it's very scalable. When you hire new interior designers, you can have a book of SOPs, you know, standard operating procedures. It's easily trainable and there's no room for error. It's not like, oh, we skipped this step with this client because they were a special case and it doesn't get out of control and you can have a well-run machine that way and it doesn't really interfere or at, at all, I should say, with the creative part, right? And it keeps your business tighter. And to talk to that, if someone strays, like they have their SOPs, they've gone through your system or through another system or even their own system and said, this is how we do it. This is the way it works most efficiently, but they do make that one exception for that one client or they bend. What are some of the examples of the domino effect that can happen that could be detrimental by not following their SOPs? I always say it's like no good deed goes unpunished, right? And we all know as business owners when we do it. When we're like, oh, I'll just make the exception this one time. And you know, in the back of your head, you're hearing like the dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I have my systems and processes set up because I know they work. My team knows how to deliver them. I have this all written into my contract too. So the domino effect I see when you move outside of your process is profitability is going to tank. I think that's like number one inevitable because you're now outside of your process. You're outside of your contract. And so now the client, you've given them that inch and they might not even know that you gave them an inch because it's our job as the business owner to remind them of how this works, remind them of the container that this service is being delivered inside of. And so once you move outside of that process, now you've opened up a potential can of worms. Now the client thinks, oh, well, she's going to text me every Saturday morning because if I text her late on a Friday night, she'll text me back. So now they're mad that you didn't text them back on Saturday because you did it that one time or you scheduled them in for an emergency meeting. Sure, we can meet with your builder tomorrow, even though that's not in our scope. Well, hey, now can you come stop by my house again? Can you come do this again? And so it really, there's the profitability aspect, right? Because now, first of all, that's not in your scope. And then second of all, it's going to lead to a lot of frustration by your client because they don't get it because it was so easy for you to do that. And guess what? It probably is a lot of times to respond to a text or shoot off an email or give them one more option. But if they take and take and take, now it's just not efficient. Now your team doesn't know how to handle it because we're like, well, we normally do it this way, but that one time you did it this way. So should I do it this way or that way? And they're asking for it that way, the way that we don't normally do. And so now it's back on your plate as the owner. And you're like, wait, what? I have these SOPs so you can do them. I mean, there's just so many domino effects that happen, but I think really it's just the expectation now has changed. The boundary has changed. And now the client doesn't really know. It does muddy the lines a little bit. So it's just not as clear to them. Like, can I do it? Can I not do it? She did it last time. I don't want to be the bad guy but I do have a question, right? So again, just sticking to your process and your boundaries, it just makes it a better experience for everybody. I love that. And that's a terrific point because you're setting up the expectations for the client and you're fulfilling them, right? But there's no question about it. Your time management is much better because you're not babysitting their dogs or (laughs) or doing something that's outside the scope. I've had that, been there, done that. It was a cane corso, like a 140 pound dog. And it ran after my painter's and they had to hide in the bathroom. It was terrible. So I, after that, I put in my agreements, there's weed, the dogs have to be put up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So what do you think, if that interior designer's out there listening, what is the very first most important thing that they can start with to start getting these systems and processes in order? Well, so kind of like we already said is really mapping out what is already happening, right? Because what I found, and I think you've probably found this too, is it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So Once you're doing something a certain way, it's hard to deviate from that. So I would say start by writing out what's happening in each of those phases. 
and then look at where you're having the most overwhelm for yourself or pushback questions, confusion from your clients. And that's where you can identify, okay, something needs to change here because this isn't working. It's either not efficient. My team can't do it. And I certainly shouldn't be doing this part of the process. My clients are really pushing boundaries or we're going out of scope at this part of the process every time. So write it out and then identify where are your challenges? Where are you like, I never want to do this again. This is so painful. I can't actually put this into a three item checklist. Look at that and see where you can tighten that up. And then where you can create a clear, here's the message that goes out at this phase. Here's the form we use for this part of the process. Here's the template for our design presentations. Like templatize as much as you can so you can spend your time being creative. Because I'm sure for you, same thing. When you have everything like ready to go and you're going to write creative copy for a client, when your whole template is already laid out and you just have to write, you're so much more creative because you're doing it within this container that is allowing you to just let your mind be free rather than remember, wait, where's that file that we always use? Or where's the hashtag document we always use? Or what's the format we do this in, right? It just, it sets you up for success. So you can truly just show up. It tees you up for success. When my husband's doing something with the kids and I get them all ready and they've got their sunscreen on and their bags packed and their snacks, and then all he has to do is just take them to soccer. Who do you think has more fun? (laughs) He does, because he just took them and did the thing. So Wingnut Social is a digital marketing agency for interior designers and architects and to the trade home furnishings. And we do a pretty damn good job on behalf of our clients, if I do say so myself. But you know what? Don't just take my word for it. Listen to Julianne Hendrickson of Hendrickson Interiors out of Tampa, Florida. Hi, I'm Julianne Hendrickson with Hendrickson Interiors. I've been a Wingnut Social client for almost two years now. I'm so thankful for Wingnut. When I first started using Instagram myself for my personal business, I didn't know who my core audience was, and I didn't know how to use all the special features on Instagram. Wingnut Social is an expert in doing both things. They have taken my social media and they have made it something that I could not have done myself. I am so thankful and have no intention of not using them for a very, very long time. Thank you so much, Julianne. We love having you as a Wingnut Social client, and we're so happy to see all of the success that you've achieved over the past two years with us. So if you guys want to achieve some similar success with your digital marketing for your interior design firm, your architecture firm, or your to-the-trade home furnishing situation, give us a call at 786-206-4331 or check out the website, wingnutsocial.com. That's wingnutsocial.com. Just hit that let's chat and let's see how we can help you. So I love that you brought up our systems and processes because we do, we have SOPs left and right. And every client that we have has their own strategy, their own little unique curated to them systems and processes. So their social media manager or their SEO manager can just go in there and say, okay, this is their voice. This is their messaging. If we had to sit there and say, okay, now wait, what did Susan McNugget say she wanted to say again? Yeah, it's so important. So Katie, what would you say to the solopreneur, that person who has a design firm or an architecture firm, and they're just a one man band, and they're just like, you know, it's just me. I don't need to have systems and processes in place. I just go out, I do the thing, I get the money for the thing, I say goodbye to the client, I do it again. So I think this is honestly probably even more important to have these systems and processes because if you're wanting to grow or be more profitable, right? Like that should always be the marker or the plan is let's either work less or be more profitable. And so 
If that's what you want to do and you don't want to hire a team, then I think you absolutely need to document what you're doing. So it saves you so much time, right? It saves you so much time. It allows you to identify the places in your process where you can use a software to automate something or send out reminders. As simple as acuity scheduling or Calendly, something like that. If you're like, hey, I really don't have the time and I can never remember to send out these reminders to clients about their appointments. Well, guess what? If you just make the appointment type in acuity and you put the reminder emails in there and detail, here's what you can expect at your kickoff meeting. Here's what you can expect at your presentation meeting. You set it up once and then it serves you forever. So I think that if you want to be more efficient and be more profitable and you want to stay small, you don't want to hire anybody, then absolutely having everything mapped out that you do at each part of the process as far as the admin side goes then that is going to save you so much time. You never have to spend 20 minutes on an email again because you're like, oh, at this phase, we just plug them into the calendar and they get the reminders. Never have to send that email again. So now you can maybe say, hey, I can actually take bigger projects now or I can take more projects because you have more bandwidth in your brain. You don't have to remember everything. So it feels better to work like that, right? And why why suffer? <laughs> why make yourself suffer without having a process? <laughs> it just doesn't feel good. So clients we work with, they say, having this process and knowing exactly what's happening, I feel so confident when I'm talking to my clients because I know this is what it takes to get you from here to here. And here's how long it takes. And here's what we do for you. And that's why it costs what it does. And the clients are like, all right, I get it. I see it. Versus not having a process being like, well, I guess we could do that. And yeah, we could probably do that. And then the client's like, wait, and you charge 20,000 for that? It doesn't translate. You know what I thought of, Katie, when you were saying that? I was thinking of Steve Jobs and Albert Einstein, how they wore like the same clothes every day to free up that bandwidth to do the really important things, to do the creative, the decision making. So it's kind of kind of parallels in a way. It's kind of like those same clothes, that same systems and process to free up that greatness, to make your business terrific and uh, free up that creativity. So the client is thrilled with your design as well. So you did talk about software. Let's talk about project management software. How important is that as it relates to having a set systems and processes? And if you can, I understand, but do you have a favorite? Because interior designers are looking for some good project management software. This is like a whole separate episode, obviously. And you know that, right? With the amount of software options there are available. So I can speak to what we see often from our designers who are coming to us with a lot of struggles. And we see kind of what software they're really enjoying and which ones they aren't. And then we are most comfortable with a couple different softwares. So the way I like to think of it is I think there's three softwares that designers need. I think there is a product management software. So this is something like House Pro, Design Files, Studio, MyJoma, something like that, that manages your products. So you do most of your billing from there. You do your purchase orders from there. Clients can approve decline items, all of that. So I think what's lacking from a lot of those is the ability to also manage your projects like in a templated way, where you can also communicate about your projects. And again, I know some are moving toward that and there are some software programs out there that do offer that. I'm just not familiar with them. I don't have clients who work in them. So I think there's the product management software. So if I was going to do one software, depending on your volume, I would probably do that. If I'm like, I can't do tech, I don't want to do software, I would look at the product management software and go with one of those. Because if you're trying to manage purchase orders and sending invoices to clients with images of the products they're buying, and then internally you're tracking the SKUs and the fabric and the COM and the nail heads and the wood finish... 
you are just going to be buried in data. Like, oh my gosh. And just such an opportunity for mistakes to happen. So I think definitely use a software for that. The two that we probably work in the most are going to be House Pro Ivy and Design Files. What I love about Design Files is that what we find with our designers is they're often sourcing to their desktop and then they're creating like a Canva board or keynote or some sort of a presentation. And then they're like putting the links in their private notes. And then when they go to present, they present there, but then they also have to put these into their other software to invoice, which to me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, double entry, triple entry, so much room for error. (laughs) I like design files because you can do the actual design, presentation, purchase orders, invoicing, client Mm -hmm. communication, all within there. There are some benefits and IVs similar, but they don't have the design board aspect. So the reason I asked about project management software as it relates to systems and processes is because I don't think that you can run an efficient interior design business in this day and age without having some kind of project management software that aligns with the systems and processes that you put in place. Something as a companion piece to that, or am I wrong? In your opinion, do you think you can have like, okay, Susan McNuggets, this is what we do for onboarding, the presentation, everything to taking the photos without having a project management software? In my mind, they're related. Yes. So my next recommendation is a project management software, and that's going to manage your projects, but also your business. And I think that, again, if I'm just a business owner and I'm not specking products, I mean, we do. We run our entire business and all of our clients' businesses in Asana. It's a project management tool. We always love when our clients are also in Asana because we know that they know how to use it and we know that like they're close and they want to embrace this technology. So I think that, yes, you have to, because again, as you write out your process, put a little note next to each item. Who does this? Is it happening manually in a software? Could it be in a software? Because if you're having to do everything manually, it's going to just create a barrier around you delivering a really nice experience to your clients because things are going to take longer. They're going to fall to the wayside when you're busy. Those little extra touches of sending that reminder email or sending a what to expect guide, it's just going to fall through the cracks because you're busy. But if it shows up in your system and it's ready to go, like ding, 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 send me out today, it just makes it so much easier, right? Like build it once and let it serve you forever. So I definitely would say, absolutely have a project management software. So something like Asana, Trello, we have some clients who work in ClickUp and get your processes in there. And there's so many different ways you can build it out, whether it's a task list or Kanban style or using just the calendar. So find a way that works for you and just make it like as simple as possible and then create templates for your projects. We use Asana here at Wingnut. Emily is crazy about it. It's a little bit of a learning curve, but it's what helps keeps us on track and efficient. So I appreciate that. So once you have your systems and processes up, then that will definitely help keep you accountable, right? And keep things scheduled for sure. And I'm kind of terrible at entering (laughs) my stuff in it, but my team does a very good job at it. So Katie, is there anything that I've forgotten to ask you about setting up a successful systems and processes for your interior design business before we get into the what up wingnut round? There are so many things I think with interior designers. And again, because we work specifically with them, we see so many of the same things happening, right? Where they say, I guess one thing would be if you want to scale your business and scale has such like a negative, you know, everybody wants to scale their business. But if you want to grow your business and be more profitable and work less, then you're going to have to do that with either software or a team. And I really, truly don't believe there's any way around it. You can increase your price only so much. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think if you're like, hey, I just need to make more money and be more profitable, then you need to bring in some software 
or hire somebody at a lower rate than you to help you with all of the background stuff that's happening in your company on a day-to-day basis with your clients. So I think spend the time to set it up once and then use that to grow the company, right? Make everything better every step of the way as you continue to do the same process over and over. You start to see immediately what can be improved, what needs to be eliminated, what can be delegated. It's how I do everything. If I'm having a problem, I'm like, all right, let me just write this whole process down, what's happening so I can start to see that's where things are going wrong. And that's where we need to bring in either help or I need to get one of my team members to fix this or we need to eliminate it or change it or get some more client feedback or something like that. All right. Awesome. Awesome way to segue into the What Up Wingnut round. Are you ready? Yes. Now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Okay, so this is a hard, hard question. And I actually had reached out to my sisters before this episode to ask them, like, what would my hashtag be? They weren't very helpful. One of them said, hashtag, ya dead. And then the other one said, hashtag, heads rolled. They're in sales and marketing. So I was like, that's all? That's all I got? Then I asked my daughters and my 10-year-old said, mom, is she going to kill you? I was like, no, oh my gosh. So that being said, I think maybe a little cliche, but it would be family over everything. Love it. You're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your one favorite food for life. What's it going to be? It would be chips and guac. Good choice. I love that. That's a good one. Last but not least, please recommend a book that has impacted you either personally or professionally. All right. So I am an avid reader. So I read like at least one book a week. And I usually it's psychological thrillers because I love psychological thrillers. But so when I do read business books, there's a few that have stuck out. One of them is The Pumpkin Plan. And then I believe it's by Michael, the same author of, I believe, Profit First. And then another one is Giftology. Mm -hmm. And so those really have a very similar premise in that you kind of double down on the clients that are like high ROI clients, I guess you would say, the clients who you love working with, who do big projects with you, who refer good clients to you, is you really double down on those clients, serving them, gifting them, all of that, rather than everybody gets a $10 mug at the end of the year. How about, hey, three clients get a $500 thing. So it's kind of that premise. And I think those are both really great books. And I think Giftology is one I really think about just in our entire business and everything we do with our clients. Giftology is one I haven't read. And that's Mike Michalowicz. I actually just interviewed him. His episode should air in the next week or so. Oh, fun. Wait, as we're recording this, wait, let me think. Yeah, it's going to air sometime, but I did just interview him. He was great. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Katie McFarland, please tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about your services and how you can help them with their systems and procedures, and we'll call it a day. Perfect. They can find me at www.dakotadesigncompany.com and then also over on Instagram by that same handle at Dakota Design Company. And I always am doing a lot of like reels and things that I think a lot of designers always say that they really resonate with them because it's poking fun at some of the things that they have to deal with on a daily basis. (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoy your reels. You're doing a good job with those. (laughs) Ooh, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Katie McFarland, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you for having me. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell you're listening to this podcast on. It really helps the show and helps other interior designers find us and helps their business. So let's all just share in a big group review hug. Ah. (laughs) 
All right, guys, remember to head on over to wingnutsocial.com and check out that free webinar with Claire Jefford that's coming up in September. And if you need help with digital marketing for your interior design business, your architecture business, we are the go-to for that. Check out our reviews, five stars across the board. We get very good results for our clients and we put more time on your plate so you can do more design with clients or just enjoy your life, right? Social media is a full-time job. We also do SEO and all kinds of digital marketing. So hit up that let's chat and let's see how we can work together. All right, that's it. Remember, until next week, to get out there, get uncomfortable and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Designed by Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 786-206-4331 to see how we can help take your business from meh to amazing. We'll see you on the next episode of Designed by Wingnut Social, your digital marketing tightly fastened. What I would, I And then with the reason I asked is because when, oh, <laughs> that delay, ah, it's going to kill yeah. me. Hold on, let me. All right, Katie McFarland, please. Katie McFarland, <laughs> the, the delay's going. <laughs> Good boy, Mango.